I want to take a look at a, an angle of Hanukkah that we haven't yet in this forum um, explored at all, and that is Ner Hanukkah as being counted within Minyan HaMitzvot. So that needs a little bit of an introduction. If I was to ask the man on the street, how many mitzvot are there in the Torah, what would the answer be? Tayag. Right, we all know Tayag. People have license plates, people have bumper stickers, right, etc. Uh, we've got Gematriot, uh, the famous Rashi that may not actually be Rashi at the beginning of last week's parashim, Lavangarti, Vitayag Mitzvot Shamarti. Good. Um, now, here is the source of that idea. The source of that idea is a Midrash, a Drasha by Rabbi Samloi, who is a third generation, uh, as, the proper term is third generation Palestinian Amorah, but that could get me in a lot of hot water. Yeah, uh, please don't use that word. What? Why? My grandfather was a Palestinian. He was born in Masharim, right? Yeah, uh, remember the, has been hijacked. What was the Jerusalem Post called before 1948? The Palestine Post. All right. Uh, Anyways, uh, Aker. Rabbi Simloi was a Amorah Eretz Israeli of the third generation, and uh, he's probably best known for this drasha. It's at the end of Makot. Sheish me'ot mitzvot Moshe. Okay, now that's key. Nemrulo the Moshe. And Shlosh Meot Vishishima Chamesh Lavin, 365 Lotas says, a mnemonic, way to remember it is the solar year. Matayim Varbe Mushmona Asay, 248 Mitzvot Asay, and based on Galen's anatomy, which we've kind of moved beyond, Kenegad Eber Av Shaladam, 248 limbs, that's not the number, but in any case, Amar Hamnuna, my cross, or Hamnuna, now in Bavel, says, hey, I've got a nice pasuk that will back this up. Way to remember it. Torah Sivalana Moshe Morasha. Moshe commanded us Torah. Torah be Gimatria Shait Miyava Khad Sarihave. The Gematria of Torah is six hundred eleven. Alright, so how does it get six thirteen? The answer is Anochi Velo Yelacha Bipag Vurash Ma'anum. In other words, Moshe commanded us Torah six eleven, and two of them we heard directly from Hashem. By the way, there are many problems with this drasha. I'll just quickly point out one of them. Um because what does lo yelacha include? And why do we say anochi and lo yelacha were heard directly from Hashem as opposed to the rest? Because in those debrot, Hashem is in the first person. Anochi Hashem alokecha, lo yelacha al panai, anochi Hashem alokecha al kana, etc. When you get to the next deber, which is either the second or third, depending on how you count, Hashem is already in the third person. So there's reason to say that they were communicated via Moshe, and this is directly. The problem is, lo yelacha includes four mitzvot. But we're going to leave that alone. That's for a different a different point. Now, um, what is included in this list? The answer is, we don't know. And if Samlai doesn't take the time to say, okay, mitzvah number one is this, mitzvah number two is that, mitzvah number 378 is this, etc. He doesn't do that. And throughout the period of the Gemara, nobody seemed to take an interest in taking this count as a um, as some sort of a, a litmus test, what made it in, or how do we reckon it, or anything. Nobody developed any sort of system by which we would decide what to count. Because if you count the times in the Torah that we are told to do something or to avoid something, it's way more than 613. So how do you figure 613? So... The literature, which begins in the ninth century, and you're looking at probably the, one of the earliest examples of it, Halachot Gedolot, which is Shimon Kaira in Bavel in the ninth century, um, 
is a literature that we call the literature of Minyan HaMitzvot, and it carries through until the 15th century or so. And it includes debates, disputes, uh, argumentation, critiques, etc., of why certain things are counted or why they're counted the way they're counted or uh, or the amount that they're counted. Is tefillin one mitzvah or two mitzvot? Is tzitzit one mitzvah or four mitzvot? Are the arba meaning one mitzvah or four mitzvot? All sorts of interesting debates. But it starts with the halachot gedolot. Now the halachot gedolot um, starts off his introduction as follows. The Rosh Hashim light. And he quotes the the, the Agada, uh, the the Drasha, sorry, and then he adds on a tagline: Anybody who violates these laws has one of six punishments, not all six, one of six. Mita v'karet umalkot. Mita v'karet is kind of putting together, and mita v'shemayim karet and malkot. And then he starts listing the mitzvot. By the Lotas says based on the punishment involved. Elon in Skalin, Elon in etc., almost based on the Mishnah in the Sugyot in Sanhedrin. And then later on, there's an ellipsis there, a big ellipsis, he goes, After he lists all the Lotas says, which by the way, the Rambam's approach was to list the Mitzvot Asay first. However, in many of them, including the Uraim, the Lotas says came first. And then he lists, and then among them he lists, and I included here just a few, because they're unusual to us. One of them is me'abrachot b'chol yom. Now, the idea that there is a chayyub to say me'abrachot b'chol yom is based on a drasha, it's in Masachet Menachot, ve'ata Yisrael ma'adonai dracha shu'al me'imah. Altikrei ma'ela me'ah. I think 10 brachot, 100 brachot a day. Kiddush Hashem, we know that mitzvah from the Torah, Havat Hashem, Yirat Hashem, La'avod L'Hashem, L'Shavah B'Hashem, these are all explicit in the Torah, the Beit B'Hashem, V'lecha B'Dochav, all of those are part of that constant theological uh, uh, motto that almost uh, animates Parshat V'Etchanan and Ekev. L'Halbish Arumim, look at that, to clothe the naked. L'Kbor Metim, to bury the dead. L'Nachem Avelim, B'Kor Cholim. Now, what's the problem with including these in Minyan Mitzvot. That means he's saying, to make up my list of 248 Mitzvot say, right, I'm going to put in these these items. All right? He ends up actually with 200, which is a little bit strange, but that's a Torah by itself. Why is this strange? Well, first of all, he's he's going to run out of Mitzvot pretty quickly at that rate. And he's, he's, got, he's got a lot of things in there that have like absolutely no basis in in the scripture, per se. Right, which means he seems to be using a different calculus for counting them in and saying, I'm going to count all the things that are mitzvot, whether they're explicit in Torah or not. And then what defines what goes in there? It, it's a difficulty, you're right. He doesn't run out of numbers, as you could see. He actually runs short, what's his calculation. But notice he also adds in Ahavat Shalom, Tzedek Vemet, and then he adds in, and this is the point I want to get to, Ner Shabbat, and he adds in Ner Chanukah and Mikra Megillah. Now Megillah is much later, but Ner Chanukah, he puts it in Ner Shabbat, and Now, as you know, as you probably know, the Rambam wrote Sefer Mitzvot, we're going to look at it in a minute, and in Sefer Mitzvot, he included a 14-paragraph introduction. 
14 paragraph introduction is a very soft sell on what it really is. So we'll talk about it in a minute. And we're going to see that the Rambam's first address was to this issue. The first issue we took on was this issue. Because the Rambam wrote his Sefer Mitzvot for several reasons. And one of them was to rebut this position, which does not only exist in the Bahag, but also exists in several other works of the Gonim, as we'll see. So I want to take you ahead. Uh, and that is Rasag. We all know Rasag, Rasag de Gaon, end of the ninth century. Uh, and Rasag de Gaon, who was the Gaon of uh, the Yeshiva of Sura. Um, and uh, he wrote a poem, which is the list of the mitzvot in poetic form. Um, there is a an amazing work done by Rabbi Yehuracham Fischl Perla at the beginning of the, 19th, of the 20th century, which is a commentary on it, which includes the poem and then his very lumdish uh, commentary on his inclusion of the mitzvot. This, this poem takes about one page. It's a poem, and every word or two words is a mitzvah. It takes a page, maybe two. The work by Rabbi Yehuracham Fischl Perla is three very thick volumes with thin paper and small writing. It's an unbelievable work. Uh, Rav Lichtenstein was very, very fond of this work. Uh, and in the poem, he writes, Look at that. Each one of those is one of the mitzvot of the regalim. Or the, right? right? The mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh and of Pesach Sheni. Simchat hachagim b'malot, k'tov zot remez migilah. Notice he includes migilah here. V'ner yemei Chanukah ad kalot. That's a poem again, and you see the poet poetry inuim machalot ad kalot, right? Which is based on Vayibe Yom Kalot Moshe Lakimot Mishkan. But v'ner yemei Chanukah ad kalot, which means the Rasag also includes mitzvat ner Chanukah in his list of the mitzvot. Now, as I mentioned, the Rambam wrote his Sefer Mitzvot uh, for several reasons. One, and by the way, Sefer Mitzvot was written in Arabic, as the Rambam wrote almost everything he did in Arabic, unless they were letters to people who were not Arabic speakers. So his letter, for instance, his famous letter to Chachmei Marseille and to Chachmei Lunel, who went about astro- astrology, and uh, letters to Pinchas Dayan, who was in Alexandria but didn't speak Arabic, were in Hebrew. And, of course, the Mishnah Torah. Everything else was in Arabic. And so the Sefer Mitzvot was written for several purposes. One of them was to serve as an introduction to the real big work, which is the Mishnah Torah. Because if you look at Mishnah Torah, we're going to look at it in a minute, in a few minutes. If you look at Mishnah Torah, what we call the Rambam, um, you'll see that the uh, that every section of, of, of Halakha is introduced with the Rambam saying, this section includes seven mitzvot. For asay, lothri lotasay, here's what they are. Ubiur mitzvot elu v'dinehem v'aprakim ha'elu. In other words, and the chapters that follow are essentially how to follow these mitzvot, which means that the Rambam hierarchically and thematically set up the Mishneh Torah to be essentially an expansion on Sefer mitzvot. Now, Sefer mitzvot, as I mentioned, the Rambam uh, composed also as a response to the Bahag and to others who had come since him, who had a different way of counting the mitzvot, and the Rambam established what he believed was the proper way to count these 613. 
And he wrote a 14-paragraph introduction. As I said, that's a soft sell because the the um, the the introductions of the, this introduction, each paragraph is called a shoresh, and each shoresh is thick and dense and meaty and deserving of much attention. To call it a paragraph is really nothing. And um, and each one of the shorashim deals with a different thematic issue regarding uh, counting the mitzvot. The very first thing the Ramam says, opening words, Hashorosh HaRishon, is of course a translation. I believe this is Kapach's translation. She'ein ra'nu ra'u'i limnot b'chlal hazeh ha'mitzvot she'ein mi derabanan. Boom. It's the first thing he says. And what's his reason for that? Because he quotes the statement that says, Sheish me'ot u'shloser mitzvot nemru lo l'mosheh b'sinai. And watch what he himself says in the first, in the second uh, highlighted piece. Why are we mentioning this at all? Many people made an error. How can you count near Chanukah? Right? And he said, and, and later on he says, uh, and he attacks other things, he says, people, people also counted, Bahag also counted saying Hallel. And so now here's the beginning of his attack. Nemrulo Moshe Sinai. The, the, the drasha is, the 630 mitzvot said to Moshe Sinai. V'yimne kriyata halel, sheshibayach bo David, shalom. How can you possibly include halel, which is composed by David? By the way, the composition of halel is itself a question, and there is a mandamar that was composed in the time of Moshe. But nonetheless, his point is, how can you say halel is a mitzvah doraita if it didn't exist yet? And then, of course, he comes with a big clamor, which is, How can you say that a mitzvah of Ner Chanukah, commemorating an event that hadn't yet happened, and was established during, or at the end, or right after, Bayit Sheni, um, uh, was, is something that's the That's very strange. And so then he says, as his signal statement here, this Shorish is much longer than this, what's here, so what these people will say, the Rambam says, and by the way, he's saying this with a real sting, is they're going to say what Moshe was told is when later on in history, when we have a fight with the Greeks, and this and this happens, you're obligated to light Ner Chanukah. I can't imagine anybody would actually entertain such a thought, or even consider it. And as the Rambam says, uh, the only way that you could get out of it and say that Ner Chanukah is Doraita is to say that Hashem told Moshe, later on in history, there will be a battle with the Greeks, and when that happens, I'm telling you to light candles. Right? He says, I don't believe anybody would, would fall for that. Right? And the Rambam, by the way, has has very good support for that from a very famous passage in the Gemara. The Gemara that probably everybody in the world is studying this week and next week, which is the Sugi of Chanukah in Bamebad Likin. And Davchav Gimel has this famous piece. We've looked at this piece from several angles in the past. Right? You have to make a bracha when you light near Chanukah. If you're not lighting, so the first night, Rav Yudah says, if you're only seeing Ner Hanukkah, you make two brachot, which we're going to say is Shasanisim and Zman, and the Madlik adds, of course, Ladlik, 
Afterwards, when you light candles, you say two. If you're only going to see it, you say one. So you say you knock out Shachianu after the first day. We know that. All right, and then the Gemara goes on. What's the bracha you make? Now, by the way, if I stop at that point in the sugya, I have a great source for saying Look at it. Thank you, Hashem, for making us holy through your mitzvot and commanding us to late near Hanukkah. Sounds like it's Doraita. But the Gemara immediately does a turnabout, which is Vehechan Sivanu. Where did God ever command us to light near Hanukkah? Right? Now, of course, in the Rambam's kind of needle, you would expect that the Gemara would then say, because Hashem told Moshe that if there ever comes a thing, then, etc. Instead, what's the answer? Ravi Amarmi Lotasur. Right, which the Rambam, by the way, in Hachot Brachot, says the same thing, using a different pasuk. And this is the fallback position, we're going to read this Rambam, about all mitzvot that are the Rabbanan. How can you ever make a brachan, a mitzvah the Rabbanan? How can you say, Asher Kiddushon mitzvotav? So the Rambam says as follows, in Hachot Brachot, V'chein kol mitzvot shein midivrei sofrim. Right, the Rambam here in, in Parakid Aleph is talking about Birchata Mitzvot. And he says, Mitzvot that are derabanan, Pei Mitzvot Shein Mechovami Divrahim, whether there's something obligatory, Gom Mikra Migilah, Vahad Lakat Ner Shabbat, Vahad Lakat Ner Chanukah, all derabanan, but all obligatory. Pei Mitzvot Sheinan Chova, also things that you don't have to do, Gom Eruv Unetilat Yadayim, meaning you want an Eruv, set up an Eruv, you want to have bread, you have Nitat Yadayim, you don't have to do those things. You make the bracha. Where's this command? That's the same as, as Lotasur, which is the when you have a question, you go to the Beitin Hagadol, and whatever they tell you to do, you have to do. And now the Rambam explains and expands on this. Meaning, this is how it should be understood. Meaning, he made us holy and commanded us to listen to the Beit Din that told us to wash our hands, or that told us to set up an Eruv, or told us to light near Chanukah. So that's the Rambam's expansion on this Gemara in Shabbat. And we understand where the Rambam's coming from. And the Rambam is saying very simply, it's very it's clear as day that Chanukah is the Rabbanan. It's clear as day from this Gemara. It's clear as day from the fact that historically it didn't exist in the Torah. And so how can anybody count Ner Chanukah as a mitzvah in the count of 613? So there is, of course, one general direction to take with the Bahag's whole list, which is Nichum Avelim, etc., etc. And that is to say that what the Bahag meant to do was to say that there are mitzvot that they, and to quote the Rambam in Hechot Avelut, there are mitzvot which are a method of fulfilling a mitzvah da'oraita. The Torah, and just take the Rambam in Hechot Avelut, he says there there's a, a commandment to do kivurat metim and nichum avilim and bikurcholim, etc. And even though all these things are drabanan, they follow, uh, fall under the rubric of ahavta l'reach So the Rambam says, in, in brisker language, 
The chiyuv is the rabbanon, but the kiyum is the My obligation to do it is man, is mandated by the rabbis, but when I do it, I'm fulfilling a doraita. Vahavta so you could make the argument that Bahag and Rasag, Rabsadigon, felt that what gets included in the list is not just things that were mandated by the Torah, but things that when you do them, you're fulfilling something from the Torah. And what is it you're fulfilling from the Torah when you're lighting their Hanukkah? Shevach, you're praising God for a miracle. And that's something that we already see in the Torah. Take a look in the famous Sheiltot in, in Hanukkah, right, where he quotes Yitro, Baruch Hashem who praised when he heard about Yitziat Mitzrayim, and the fact that when a nace happens, you have to thank God. Okay, so you can make that argument. The Rambam, just to fill out the picture of the Rambam, and I told you I'd show you this, in Hilchot Megillah V'Chanukah, in his introductory line, he says, Yesh b'cholan shtei mitzvot ase midivrei sofrim, ve'enan min haminyan. He won't even tell us what they are, because we know what they are. Mikra Megillah and Adlakat Ner Chanukah. And therefore, they're not part of the Minyan, they're not part of the 613. But I'm going to explain these two mitzvot, what it should in these prakim. However, here we go, and we're going to see something that will take us in a different direction. Rav Sadigon also wrote an Arabic work of Sefer Mitzvot, which is more expansive. And we have this from Aktav Yad, you can see it from, from the Geniza, from the Cambridge Collection. Nichlal Kabbalah, he said that we had a tradition. Watch this. And by the way, remember the Rambam commented on this. Now notice how vague he makes it. Not that it's going to happen in Persia, not it's going to happen in Haman, but at some point in history, Amalek, who we didn't finish with Amalek in, at the foot of Harsinai. We just got them to leave us alone, but they were not done. We didn't even finish with them with Shaul. We didn't finish them with, with them with David. That the day will come when we will have a, uh, a battle against the Malik. They'll try to kill us and Hashem will save us. We'll make it a Yontov. How do we know that? Kakatuv, Ktov, Zot, Zikaron, Basefer. Where is that? In, in passage 11, when, when Yoshua successfully defends us against Amalek, we have the following passage. Write this down in a text. In other words, now back to the source 10 in the highlight. Look at that. When Hashem... So, sorry, so the, the first piece is that we have a, an illusion in the Torah that there will come a time later in history when there will be a battle against Amalek, write it in a text, Hashem says to Moshe, and when we are victorious, we'll make it a yontif. And the second thing is, There will come a time that the Levim will have a battle and they'll beat their enemies. They will make that time special. He doesn't say, Hanukkah. Just make the time special. By the way, who are the battlers against the Yivanim? The Chashmonim, who are Kohanim, Levim. Now, let's take a look at that Pasuk. Parenthetically, the one about Megillah is something that's an, uh, an explicit Midrash, both in the Mechilta and in the Bavli. 
However, when Moshe comes to bless B'nai Levi, he says the following, Hashem bless his strength and essentially let him strength gird his loins against his enemies so that they can't stand up anymore. Which means Moshe is blessing Levi in some sort of battle that they're going to be involved in, which is very strange because Levi is the one tribe that doesn't go to war. So what is he talking about? So if Sadiqon says, this is alluding to a war later in history that's going to happen where B'nai Levi will fight and be successful, and therefore it's already alluded to in the Torah. And he says, that's about Hanukkah. Now, uh, in, in, his, in Rav Sag's commentary on Daniel, he expands on that. And he gives us a whole detail about, I'll, I'll read it, Umesanav, he quotes the Pasuk in, in Dvarim. Hashem machatzit motnehem, komar yachniyem lifem v'yabdeim. Hashem is going to help Levi defeat their enemies. Uchshazor ala masorot, shemichtav v'shabal peh, limtzom masorot al-machemet b'nei levi v'nitzchonam. And I look through our whole history, and I say, where is there a place where b'nei levi win a war? The only place I can find anywhere in Jewish history that Bnei Levi fought a war in one is Hanukkah. And we have that in our history. After that happened, we had several hundred years of independent rule, of sovereignty. And now, once I read it, I realize that's what Moshe had nevuah about. Which means he says, since Moshe has nevuah, that one day B'nai Levi are going to go to war and going to win, that makes that battle something commemorative, commemoratable from the Torah. And I'm going to prove it. Notice, what did Moshe talk about in that bracha? Machatz motnaim, strengthen his 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 waist, his lip hips under it. Kimatzati shemachute evanim hishenim shalab motnaim, and then he finds in Daniel that that's an allusion to the Greeks, and he brings something from Daniel, which once we get into that, it's quite a bit mystical. Unless you think that this is something that is the Rambam and all the Rishonim against this odd position of the Gonim, you'll see in this passage in the Ramban, the Ramban in his commentary in in the beginning of Etchanan on the Isur of Baltosif, presents the following. I'll just mention it outside. He says, Baltosif, Rashi as famously says, what's Baltosif? Five tzitziot, five batim and tefillin. What's Baltigra? Three tzitziot, etc. Right? In other words, taking a mitzvah that has a numeric uh, characteristic and changing it either up or down. The Ramban says that there are two manifestations of Baltosif. One of them is that and the other one is la sod mitzvah In other words, as an example, to make up a new holiday. And he quotes the story about Yaravam, who sets up a holiday in the eighth month to sort of be a month off of Sukkot when he sets up his Mishdashim and Beit Elon and Dan. He says that's a violation. Because after all, you're not allowed to add mitzvot, you're not allowed to add new holidays. So now, how does Hanukkah get added? How does Purim get added? Very difficult. 
By the way, how does all of Megillat Tanit get added? That's a different problem, all those days. But for right now, these two, Hanukkah and Purim. And so it must be, and he, and he quotes it here, that as he quotes the Yerushalmi, that, that, the, that the Chachamim were very troubled about setting up a new holiday called Purim until they found an allusion to it in the Torah. Right? Which means taking that same logic, you'd have to say that Hanukkah has to be something that's also somehow found in the Torah by illusion or something, which then justifies making it as a holiday. So it's not just a question now of counting it as a mitzvah. It's a question of the whole mandate of Hanukkah really rests on the ability, according to the Ramban, on the ability to find an allusion to it in the Torah, because we can't make up new holidays. By the way, the Rambam has a different approach to Latosif. So I want to show you one last thing to kind of bring this all together. And it is a beautiful, beautiful Rambam that everybody really should read this time of year, every year. And also in the summer when we read Balotcha. At the beginning of Parshat Balotcha, which if you remember is right after the, the gifts of all the Nasim. And then, we, by the way, on, on the last day of Hanukkah, we Go to the end of Nassau and we read this. Balot Chatane wrote, and the Haftarah for Balot Chat is the same Haftarah that we have the Shabbat also, the Haftarah, the Nerot of Zechariah. All right, Balot Chatane wrote, Rashi on the spot um, quotes, it's from Midrash Tanchuma, it's by the way not in every Rashi, not in every Taviyat of Rashi, but it's in Tanchuma. Lama Nispacha Parshat Minorah Lachanukat Tanasim. He asked the question, why is the Minorah here? And the answer is, famously, that Aaron felt bad because every Shevet brought, and Levi didn't bring, he didn't bring, and Hashem said to him, Shochag, Dolam, Yishalahem, yours is greater because you're going to light the Nerot. That's the famous Midrash. It was, by the way, in the version of Rashi that the Ramban had in his hand, because he quotes Rashi saying it. And he says, basically, I don't get why, if Aaron is upset that he doesn't have a chalik in the Korbanot that were brought on those 12 days, that the menorah is going to make him feel better? So why not the Ketoret? Isn't that like really amazing? How about the fact that you're the only guy who gets to go to Kodesh Kodeshim? Your sons are the only ones who get to go into the Kodesh at all. Isn't that like bigger than the Menorah? And so then he says, Hinyana Gada Hazu. What he says is, it's just so, it's so delightful. The Drosh Remez Bina Parsha Al Chanukah says, you know what Balot Chadu is doing? It's alluding to Hanukkah. Not the Ran, who was the Ramban's uh, cousin, or a student, but Ran Rabbein Anisim of Kirwan. She's Kirhagadazu Viamar, Ra'iti B'midrash, Kevan Shi Krivu Shema Sarshvatim V'lo Yikriv Shevet Levi, Right? And this is the thing that Rashi quotes, by the Mitachuma. And then Aaron was sad. This is what it said in Megillat Starim, in some mystical book. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, go tell Aaron, don't feel bad that you weren't involved in those 12 days because you're descendants are going to be involved in a great salvation, and the menorah will be the sign of that salvation. 
And notice the connection. What were those 12 days called? Hanukat HaMizbeach. What does Aaron get to do? His descendants will be involved in an even bigger Hanukat HaMizbeach. It will happen in Bayit Sheni. Right? And then, That's the Rabbeinu Nisim. Right? And then he says in Midrash Rabbah, we have another similar kind of passage about that. What we've seen over the past uh, half hour is we started off with a very technical thing, which is that <clears throat> we have the famous Drasha of Rabbi 613 mitzvot, the issue of the literature of Minyan mitzvot, and the big disputes that took place between the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th centuries about how to count the mitzvot. Um, and many, many different Chachamim got involved in this, and the literature of Minyan mitzvot that spans pretty much those six centuries is is prodigious, and in it we found that the Halachot Gedolot and the Rasag counted mitzvot Rabbanan, most notably for our purposes, Ner Chanukah as one of the 613. The Rambam lambasted that, and he said how can you count Chanukah or Mea Brachot or Mikram Yilah as them? They're not given to Moshe Sinai. He suggests this idea that maybe somebody would think that there's an illusion in the Torah or some Kabbalah that when we go to battle against the Greeks, da-da-da-da-da, and he poo-poos it. And a very strong proof for the Rambam is the fact that the Gemara, when defending the bracha on Ner Chanukah, defends it based not on an allusion to a battle with the Greeks, but the fact that when Beitin tells us to do something, we're commanded by the Torah to do it. Very famous piece. However, what we saw is that Rasag himself, in his Sefer Mitzvot, it's in Arabic, actually pinpointed why he felt that Ner Hanukkah was really Doraita. Because he said that the bracha that Moshe gave to the Levim was a reference, an allusion to their later battle with the, with the Greeks. And then in his commentary on Sefer Daniel, he even says that in a more explicit way, uh, as we saw here in Source 14. The Ramban seems to be sympathetic to this, because the Ramban's position is you cannot make up a new holiday. That's a violation of Baal and therefore it must be the case that both Chanukah and Purim, both as holidays and as mitzvot, Mikra, Megillah, and Chanukah, are alluded to in the Torah, and that that's what we have here, and he develops that idea. Um, and then the Ramban, separately from the issue of Baal but in Bahalotcha, is in favor of seeing Chanukah as being alluded to already in Baalotcha, and that that's the connection between Baalotcha and Chanukah Tamizbeach. A very different angle, for me certainly, it's the first time I've taught this perspective, a very different angle than we're generally accustomed to when looking at Chanukah as almost the classic mitzvah de Rabbanan, because uh, we're all familiar with the Gemara of Hechan Sivanu, but we see that at least in the times of the Gonim and in the Ramban, there are different perspectives on it, well, those that suggest that maybe there is a nimad de oraita in both celebrating Chanukah and in mitzvah near Chanukah. And everybody should have a Chag Urim Sameach.